Your eyes are open, so never close them. You'll sail the ocean, finding where it should be. And if you're broken, you'll make your own thing. You'll make it something for all the world to see. How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Bad Days Podcast, episode two. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Nabayo Lemma, TikTok star. You might know him as Nabayo Lemma on one of his accounts where he has nearly 225,000 followers, right? On, on your main account, your original? I think so. Something like that. Or you might know him as the Black LeBron James because he has two TikTok accounts as two very different personas, both with over 180,000 followers nabayo and i have known each other for we're going on like a year now which is crazy we both started on tiktok and um he has gone on to excel and i've gone on to drop off quite a bit but hey i'm back now for a little bit we both have excelled we both you know what nabayo is the uh we're gonna learn more about this throughout this podcast right here but he's easily the most positive person i've met in so long uh but let's Let's get into it. Nabayo. Now, we're going to we're going to start off with some questions this time around. Uh and and I say this time around cuz we filmed a podcast this summer and it had a terrible name, terrible name for a podcast. I was ashamed that I came up with it. It was called like the Earth 13 podcast and um oh, we had I had to scrap it because the recording was messed up. So, uh this time everything's going great. We're not going to scrap this recording and uh Nabayo Tell me a little bit about your journey as a creator. Where have you started? Like you start on YouTube. Uh, I know you do have a YouTube channel. So if you want to tell a little bit about that and then how you made your transition to TikTok and what the landscape was like when you got there. Rewind back, putting like um, time effects, warping. We're going through the tunnel all the way back to 2018 where I'm making YouTube videos as a senior in high school. Um, for fun with my friends, like mini vlogs and everything. And I had a lot of fun doing it. And um, I kept doing it because I like looking back to what we did last week and stuff. And then around that time, TikTok starts blowing up. And I think it's weird. I'm like, this is only for like cringy anime people or whatever, cosplayers and like dancers and stuff. Cause it still had like the stigma of musically on it. So I didn't really get it. And then um, a friend told me to download the app um and i said you know what okay i it was it wasn't even that like a big of a deal so i downloaded it and i noticed my musically account was on there which i made that in like fifth grade or whatever so it, it didn't really count so um i changed the name and then i was scrolling through the for you page and i was like dang some of these stuff is actually pretty funny and um i started i i was looking at it for like a couple of weeks and i was like you know what i should make some of my own too because it, it seemed pretty funny i started to make some I got like seven likes on the first one. And I was like, yo, this is awesome. And I was showing it to my friend. And then I just kept posting. And 
um i kept getting more likes and stuff and i was like this is super cool i was like i'm growing up i'm growing so fast and like within like two and a half months like i got this on the october mid-october of 2018 by the end of the year i was at like 60,000 or something like that followers on the app and I was like yo and then on Christmas day um Sniper Wolf uploaded a video and um I was in it and it was and it, she played one of my TikToks what? and she said and I I forgot what she said about me she was like she called me like handsome or something and I was like oh my oh. gosh man I haven't Bro. heard the name Sniper Wolf in like years and years and years if I'm being honest here, I thought she started doing porn instead of YouTube. I, I guess she still does oh, YouTube. There was a thing about that. Okay, yeah, well, I wouldn't I, be I shocked. I remember watching a video Drama Alert made um, where there was a person who was doing that and was pretending to be Sniper Wolf, but they just looked alike, and then Sniper Wolf sued her for it. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. I don't know if you know and about like the the lookalikes with the uh, with certain celebrities and stuff, like Ariana Grande on TikTok. It's not Ariana Grande; it's some girl that like looks a little bit like oh. her. Dude, yes. Ariana hates her. Ariana publicly talks about how like she crafted the character of Cat Valentine, and it's like this girl who just looks kind of like me, and she does the cat voice like an impression, and she literally is faking being me, and I hate it. And I like had to think about that. Like, would you take that as like a huge compliment, or is it just like how sketchy is it? Like, there are certain pictures. Honestly, some of her videos you cannot tell me that's not Ariana Grande. I don't believe you if you think it's not Ariana. Oh man, I, I seen, I seen, I know the person you're talking about, and I actually thought it was Ariana Grande on TikTok, and I was like, what in the world? Um, but for me, I don't know. Like, you know, there's like some things that you wouldn't know how you'd react unless it actually happened to you, right? But I would like to say, I would like to say that I'd feel complimented by it. I I'd take it well. Funny. I mean, I've never had anyone like pretend to be me or something like that. And I think I don't know anybody cool. that would want to pretend to be me. It's like, <laughs> that is the worst decision. That is the most depressing thing you could have chosen out of all. The, it's Halloween. And you're like, I want to be Hussin. What? But like, think about it. Think about it. Wouldn't it be cool to hear someone try to sound like you? Yeah, they, they do that do all the time, but they're it? doing the Mickey voice and they're doing it poorly. <laughs> That's what that is for me. They're like, hey, I sound just like you. And then they do a Mickey Mouse impression. And it's like... I mean this in the snobbiest, most stuck-up way possible. I've perfected <laughs> that voice. I perfected it, and it's it's been it's a staple of who I am. And while I don't do it often anymore, I'm still the best. I'm the best there ever was at it. And when I hear people just like do a high-pitched voice and say "I'm Mickey now," and it's like, I truly, I truly don't like you as a human on some level. And that's just me being a stuck-up jerk. But there are certain people that that have done that over the years. Are like. Fans have come into my Discord from TikTok, uh, and they've literally popped into voice chat, and they're doing Mickey impressions, and they're like, oh, yeah, I bet he's going to think it's really cool. And, like, I guess if I was a kid, I'd probably think, oh, it's really cool if I'm showing this famous person a talent that we share. But I, I take it so badly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, I just kick the guy out of the call. I'm like, I don't want to deal with that today. Bro, Things like I, that. There's like, there's like I, um, I know that type of mindset. I was thinking about this for a while because um, I bet the first time that happened, you probably were you thought that was cool. Like, so like, yeah, just a little bit. I was like, that's came up to you and then tried to do your voice. I was like, Oh, like I know what you do. I'm trying to do it too. And like connect or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This like nice like, little oh, human that's... moment where it's like, we yeah. both have this really weird hobby and I like that you're interested and you're not just interested. You don't just want to sound like Mickey. You want to sound like me. Cause I make funny videos as them. So that's very cool. The couple then, times it's happened. 
and then like if when it happens more you start to hate it and then you're like it gets annoying and stuff and like for example like celebrities like maybe the first time someone came up and wanted to ask for a picture they're like super um flattered super uh engaged and stuff they really want to take a picture with the person and they're really happy about it and think about it the whole day but then it starts happening a hundred times per day and then they hate it right yeah um did it like, I, I, how long did it take you to start hating it because i started hating it like two days in i hate it um i mean i had a couple of people take pictures with me but not enough where i would not like it anymore but there was one where it was like um like i'd get like when i started making tiktok some people would send me dm requests and they'd be like, um, quoting something I said in a TikTok. Like, for example, I have a joke in my Black LeBron James TikTok about um, pe- about me putting traps in my room to prevent people from stealing my pee. It's of very long and complicated. But uh, I'd get DMs from people saying, I'm going to break in your room. I'm going to steal your pee. The first couple times that happened, I thought it was pretty funny. I responded, good luck, because I added another trap and stuff. And then two weeks later, a hundred more DM requests and a bunch of other stuff. It's like, uh, and I don't respond to them anymore. It's right. not that I don't, it's not like I'm being mean. It's just that there's so many, you hear it so many times. And like, if you went back to your like past self, your past self would probably be mad at you. Respond to those messages. Right. Oh my God. You, right? Dude, the idea back in the day of like, I'm, I'm never going to be like these other YouTubers and I'm going to respond to everything I receive. Exactly. And exactly. dude, I'm not even famous and I can, I can barely handle it. I don't respond yeah. to DMs anymore. I'll, if I directly post a video saying like, Hey, if you follow me, I'll respond. I'll respond. But like, uh, there was a situation a year ago where some kid DM'd me and they said something and I responded really nicely. And then they said another thing and then they said another thing. And they're like, why don't you respond to me? Or why won't you add me on? Why won't you follow me on TikTok? And I was like, look, I I really only follow my really close friends and creators. Uh, I saw my feed stays really clean. I'm sorry. And they're like, that's fine. And then they say something else. And then they say like three days later, you're a bad person. And then, uh, and like, or no, they said they were sad and they followed up with you're a bad person. Go fuck yourself. And I was like, what? And I read this DM and I'm like, man, I love my fans. And I think that was the moment where I was like, Man, fuck it. I'm not going to respond that often to to people unless they have something interesting to say. On TikTok, my DMs on TikTok, which they only opened DMs on TikTok like a year or so, less than less than six months ago. Because um, before then, they, they got rid of all the DMing features because of the influx of children and they didn't manage it well. And there was like a bunch of uh, child information being stolen. Love TikTok. Wonderful application, truly. Um, modern Marvel. But yeah, uh, I just get people are like DMing me other people's videos and i don't like that if they're gonna oh, dm yeah. me like their video and like hey take a look man i i did that that's all i did on vine back in the day uh from your david dobrik's to your hard stop lucas's to your caleb cities i was sending my videos to everyone it's like hey hope you like it and then every once in a while i'd get a nice little revine and like it'd be a big deal so i'm always i fuck with the hustle i'm so about it but the whole like sending me somebody else's video like without a, t- a text or a yeah, caption a text, it just, it's just sent yeah video. What? i don't it's even so i don't random. get that that's so strange yeah. like picking your favorite creator i can't imagine like dming casey neistat's a tweet that like has no relevance to him uh-huh. hey uh, not not saying like hey casey I, I hope you think this is funny just there you go <laughs> <laughs> oh man. man and like it's unique yeah it's unique i don't know how to respond to them i usually don't but like sometimes like I know what you get. Like when you respond, when you respond to a DM request or like someone's message, and then the conversation keeps going, and you know it's not like 
you're a bad person, but you don't really want to have too many conversations. Let it keep going. And then they keep texting you since you responded once. They keep yeah, texting you every single day. They do that. And you don't want to seem like a bad person. So I try to respond as much as I can. But then it just keeps going. And I'm like, if I leave them on deliver, they'll get really mad. And I wish like I haven't responded in the first place, but that would be mean. So you're like, you don't know what to choose. Yeah. And, I, and, and it's the moment that I like, I really had to drill it in my head. I owe them nothing. I don't make money off of TikTok and like for real besides like one or two brand deals I did a year ago. And even if I did make money, it's not like a, a Netflix subscription or something like that where I have, you know, uh, they're paying for a service that I have defined like what I'm going to give them. I owe them nothing. And that's when I stopped feeling bad about it. Cause on some level it's like they support me and they like me so much and I want them to No. Uh, I owe you nothing just because I get you feel entitled to my content. Cause I said, I'm going to post as many times a week. And I said, I'd respond to your DMS. I don't owe you anything though. I'm a person with my own life and like letting that really sit that like, I'm not gonna, if you write me a really heartfelt message, I will a hundred percent reply. If you try and yeah. start like a convert, like a hi, hello, how are you kind of thing, man, I don't know who you are. <laughs> like there are very few situations where I've ever responded to that kind of thing. I think the main people in DMS I respond to other creators reaching out to me, me reaching out to other creators. And then, uh, literally just back in the day, I'd respond to fans just a little bit. And even then it was less than like, and now I don't, I don't even consider it, uh, at this point. And it's far less now for me. Cause I'm not, uh, I'm not as prominent on TikTok as I was back in the day. So I don't have to worry about that as often. I still have people from the Twitch streams coming in and they'll, they'll say some things in, in VC on the discord and stuff right there. That's a little bit like, mm, maybe don't. Maybe, maybe chill out a little like I like hey I'm your friend because we're in this internet community together but I'm not like your friend friend you know what I mean like I'm not your call me at 9 a.m kind of buddy and it's not that it's not that somebody in my discord could never be that they could they could definitely be that I have two friends in my discord Sienna and Parker this guy's also goes by pops for a lot and they're like genuine friends of mine and they and I have their phone numbers and I've called them about non twitch related things before and stuff like that and they've called me and uh that exists but like you can't just a lot of people just feel like they jump into it and then they're instantly best buds and i and that's just been such a weird like i've never felt like that like entitled to that relationship with the creator but that's apparently like a really big issue like um you know casey neistat he's he's my favorite youtuber of all time casey Mm -hmm. stopped publicly posting videos and pictures of his daughter his like like three four year old daughter because people would walk up and just like pick up the kid and like 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 friend like it's not that they're they think they know him and they have this relationship like oh I yeah. watch you every day but it's such a one sided relationship you know um for Casey it's putting a video out and then millions of people see it and then millions of people it's like oh Casey talks to me every day about working harder and doing more and what he's been up to in New York. Um, and then like he had a couple of really uncomfortable experiences with parents and Philip DeFranco had similar experiences when his wife had a channel called the DeFranco fam and they showed their baby, uh, Trey DeFranco all the time on there. And then they stopped and they're very vigilant in general about just taking the camera off them for that kind of thing. And that's, it's crazy. I'm glad that we're not at the size where we have to worry about that too much just yet, but oh yeah, it's very chillax back to, I know we went on a tangent there, but I'd like to circle back to your journey as a creator and how you got there. So you start TikTok, right? And it's weird. You get to 60,000 followers in December, one year after you started your account, right? Is that what you're saying? Um, I get 60,000 uh, a couple months. A couple months. So oh, no, no. You were saying I you started, started it your senior year, probably like August, right? Something around then, August, October? October. and then October to December, December 60,000 yeah. followers, which 
on TikTok, now that we've been on it, is not that deep. But for for it was it was a brand new thing and nobody knew that yet. And the idea that you're nobody, you're really not a person that exists on the internet, not like with a reputation and a career. And then you have 60,000 followers. You to get a shout out from Jake Paul. You just have that. Crazy, crazy, crazy experience. Oh, man. And then like a month late, not even a month, a couple weeks later, it's January 20th, 24th or something like that. Um, Man, this is this is like so (laughs) I'm in class. I get a Snapchat from a friend from middle school and I open it up because I just use my phone in class under the table when the teacher's not looking. It was, it was, it was psychology, which is interesting, but the teacher was just doing whatever. So I was like, I'll do whatever too. And right. um, I opened the snap and my middle school friend's like, yo, I just saw you in PewDiePie's newest video. And I was like, no way. No. He sends me the link. I click on it. And at like three minutes, some six minutes or something like that, I pop up. And he laughs. PewDiePie laughs at my TikTok. And then I stand up in front of the whole class and I say, I have to go. And I uh, and I say, it's emergency. So I walk outside and then I start running around the hallways to my friend's classes. And I tell them to come outside through the window. And they come out and then I show them the video and we're screaming and running around the hallway. And then everyone's like, what the heck's happening? I run back into my own classroom and I make an announcement in front of everyone. I'm so hyped. And I tell everyone I'm in PewDiePie's newest video. Three people were like, yo, that's crazy. Everyone else didn't really care. And they some of them didn't even know who PewDiePie was, which I was like, what the heck? He's at. Who do you he's know? Like, if you don't crazy. know who PewDiePie is, I truly don't care for you at this point. Disappeared. And then um, the, the teacher seemed kind of interested. And he was like, what? And then he looked it up and he played it for the class. And then I was like, and it was pretty funny. And then I was like, what? And then so after that um, period was lunch. And then I'm telling my friends and um we're going crazy and i'm watching it all together and then when i show up we all start screaming and jumping around and we cause so much of a ruckus there's so many people coming in in the hallways just all surrounding us and then i started taking pictures with people pretending to be famous and posting on my instagram saying i gave pewdiepie clout and they would all be girls it'd just be like like 20 girls right next to me and then it's so funny because uh we're just trying to overhype it just for fun and then it's fifth period it's the period after lunch and i'm walking to the bathroom and I hear PewDiePie's voice coming out of other like teachers' classrooms. And I look in and they're playing it and stuff. And I was like, what the heck for their classrooms? And I was like, oh my no. God. I wasn't even, I'm not even in that classroom, right? And they're playing it. And I was like, what? And so by the end of the day, the whole school knows. And it was just crazy. Um, our school wasn't that big. We had like 850 kids, but like we were like a tight community there. It was a lot of friends. So um, it was, it was just, that's it was wild. A, it felt like a dream. That yeah. that sounds like I mean that is a trip. That is the kind of thing that only happens when you're in high school too. But just uh-huh. like, man, what an experience that must have been. That must have been just it's memorable, right? That's why you're sharing uh-huh. it here now. But the, the the moments like that that just hit so 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 differently. Like the acknowledgement from PewDiePie. That's the biggest YouTuber ever. He will he'll never not be the number one guy on the platform. Like Bruh. guy T series doesn't count. That's not a guy. But uh, <laughs> like. That's amazing, man. Holy cow. I had no idea you were on uh you were in a PewDiePie video too. That's super cool. Yeah, it's um and then I, when that video came out, I went up to like 80,000 uh followers on TikTok. Do you think you got a lot of followers from that video? Like was there like did you notice an influx after that came out? Wow. Um, it was kind of like uh when I made that video, people duetted it and it became like a mini trend on TikTok to like make fun of my sound, the sound I made in the video where it 
it was like a laugh that I did. And people would do like squeegee bottles, putting pencils through a sharpener, like putting their fingers through like um, window blinders and stuff. And then so it was a trend. There was an audio that people used. And I got a bunch of followers through that. And then when PewDiePie made the video about it, the meme died. But right. it was the peak. It was the peak. Um, it was on really meme. Was it on meme review? I think. Good God, that was, that's so awesome. Or, that's such a cool was it thing. Meme review or meme or review is where he would kill memes. That's where he would send or, them to die. Oh no, he wasn't. Uh, he was. It wasn't a meme review. He was like reviewing TikToks. He was just on TikTok. And oh gosh, because he did. I mean, uh, it's that crazy cool that Felix essentially created but not 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 by making an account on there but he brought fame to a whole separate platform and gave that platform a different audience than what it was intended for and grew it to the level because i want to say like people don't acknowledge that he had such a big part in making tiktok what it inevitably became he posted videos making fun of that and he kept showcasing the videos making fun of the the weird trends that were on there like the the yeah. final musically trends and then more of us funny people saw those videos and made our way to tiktok because of him and then we dominated the ecosystem made it popular and then we had the cloud chasers and you know <laughs> the e-girls and the e-boys and little huddy and whatever hell's <laughs> going on at the hype house these days but <laughs> modern day martin luther king right basically Man, I think I saw it was a uh, Noel from uh, Cody Co. and Cody Co. And Noel, and he he says something along the lines of like, "Y'all can't tell me little little Huddy's not a lesbian, bro. I want to hear it. I want to hear a word about it." And that's like one of the the most like just it's such a stupid sentence, but it, I laughed like twenty minutes when I heard it. Noel, Noel, and Cody are such amazing creatives too. Good God, they're they are peak humor on YouTube for sure. And I think it's their dynamic. I don't watch much of Cody by himself, which sometimes I almost feel bad about a little bit, you know, like, like I wish I liked Cody co as much as I like Cody and Noel, the duo. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, and there are a lot of creators like that these days that like, I feel like I can only enjoy them in a specific environment. There's this really great YouTube channel. It's called pretty much it. And I, I love it. They, they do commentary tracks. They have a Patreon where they literally release full length commentary tracks to TV shows and movies where they're just two, two guys laughing and talking over the movie and like telling jokes. And they release like a highlight video on YouTube where it's like cut together segments of running jokes. They did like the entire Harry Potter series in one sitting, the entire twilight series in one sitting and stuff like that. And they're these 30 minute to 45 minute videos with like when they're doing like entire series like that. And they're so funny. There's so many running jokes. And the crazy part is that's like one tenth the jokes that are in that because they just watch like, all the Harry Potter movies and they condensed it down to 45 minutes. So you could go back and listen to like pay for the actual commentary track, sync it up with Harry Potter and watch it. But it's one of my favorite YouTube channels. And the humor is, uh, the guy who owns the channel's name is Eric. And, uh, Eric is super funny on his own. He's pretty much, it just had its 10 year anniversary. So he's made that channel. It's his baby, really cool guy. And the guy who was his co-host on that specific show, and they've had other people do it was Jacob and, uh, Jacob and Eric just have this dynamic and it's so pure and good. And you can hear like the fact that they're such close friends in every single video. And like the humor was so there. They just had such a good back and forth. Uh, Jacob is not in pretty much it anymore. There is a bit of a, a bit of a, it didn't seem like drama at first. It seemed like Jacob wanted to take his life in a creative different decision. And then some mm -hmm. stuff happened on Twitter where Jacob was tweeting about how uh, he's never had a job with above minimum wage in his life. And he's been working for pretty much it for the last four years. He's like, he didn't pay you, but Jacob was making like 
equal salary to Eric who owned the company and he was asking for crazy things and that's why he was let go. Like it wasn't about, which is a crazy, crazy dramatic situation. Um, but it's so funny. It's so hard to watch the videos now because I still think Eric is funny and I still think the videos are funny, but it's the magic. You know what I mean? That like really specific kind of like Cody Cohen, Noel, Jacob and Eric, just like yeah. something about them together that just makes, God, it just makes it. Is it the is it the same as David Dobrik? I want to say because I don't really remember watching videos with just David David by himself. But he like usually, David doesn't like, have David doesn't have one person that he has like a crew. Dave has mm-hmm. he's got he used to have Alex Ernst. Alex Ernst is not there anymore as often, but you know he and he's had like a, a cycling crew. But I think how he films. And with that large of a group in that setting, in that party kind of environment that elevated to 11, like, oh, my God, <laughs> oh, my God, Corinna just got a boob job. <laughs> this is crazy. And they're like always laughing. I think that that is conducive to an environment where you can replace the cast. If you don't replace the entire cast, he brought Natalie Noel, a girl from his hometown, onto the vlog squad as her assistant. And now she's equally famous in her own right. And she's like a full length member, but there was a, there was a time where you'd watch and be like, Oh, Natalie's just in the background. Like she's not really a character. And then now you've had people like Alex Ernst. Alex was that he was a Viner, uh, like me and David at way back in the day. And Alex isn't necessarily in the vlogs anymore. He just does his own thing. He creates like short little movies. He has a girlfriend who makes TikToks, and like, that's his whole vibe. Uh, but you know, there wasn't as much backlash of Alex leaving and there's still comments of like, bring Alex back, bring Liza Koshy back. And like those comments are there but they're not as omnipresent as like a dynamic duo, like, like two people that make something work. And I think like pretty much it, Jacob and Eric were, was the, was the gold mine of like, and I think, I think that that is the golden era of that show and it's now over. And I think it's not that they're going to be terrible YouTubers now. I think that they're entering like a silver age, right? They had the golden era where everything's amazing and now they're less, they're less great, but they're still good. Um, and Cody Co, he's got a great dynamic with his girlfriend, Kelsey. And I think they put out really funny videos. But in general, I think it's really hard for me to consume content that's like one guy talking about one thing. Sometimes, sometimes like Drew Gooden, so good at it. I don't know if you ever watch him on YouTube. I've seen some of his videos. Uh, Drew Gooden is the gold standard. And his best friend, Danny Gonzalez, is a YouTuber who does close to the same thing. And for whatever reason, sometimes I can get behind a Danny Gonzalez video. But more often than not, I can't. But it's almost the same as what Drew Gooden does, but somehow his personality and his sense of humor and his back and forth and his vibe on camera is far more interesting to watch than Danny Gonzalez solo. And I think in general, like that's how I feel about a lot of YouTubers. Unless the topic they're discussing is the interesting thing, I'm there for the person. And uh, the dynamic duo on YouTube has always been more of the thing. If you watch the videos on my channel, they are egregiously bad if it's just me. Like there's just, it's so uncomfortable for me to watch because I think it's not funny without, it's something about having a person sitting next to you that's laughing while you're telling a joke and then you're laughing while they're telling a joke. Yeah. I mean, that's the so, David Dobrik method of like a wall of laughter at all I mean, times. Yeah. If there's multiple people laughing, it must be good, right? And then somehow you might just catch yourself laughing, even though you don't know why you just see everyone else laughing. Um, I mean, with like, if we, if you try like, I guess the the personality you put behind the camera is not going to be the same. Like I'm, for example, Mr. Beast. If you've seen his videos, like in the beginning when he's talking to, uh, to the camera and all that stuff, it wasn't. It was. It's really uncomfortable. Bad. No, it, 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 that's. I think he would agree that it's bad. Okay. Yeah. 
And then you see over time, the more he did it, the better he got at it. And, and he's still, be- look, I think Mr. Beast is the gold standard of a YouTuber at this point. He is amazing. He is easily the most interesting creator on the platform. As far as I'm concerned, I still think he's not great on camera. I still think sometimes he talks and like, sometimes it's like slightly awkward. Like you could have, you could put a far more charismatic person in, well, he's now Mr. Beast, so you can't do that. But like to yeah. do what he does, there are like little beats where he's like, I'm going to give my friends a car. And then it's like, it's like, it's not the editing or whatever, but it's just like slightly uncomfortable. Something about it is, is misplaced. But um, yeah, the growth is insane though. Oh my God. It's, it's leaps and bounds. You can't even compare the two. So that means you could get better as well. Right. Well, well, here's the thing. I I've stepped away from that, that realm of content, like reacting to something like I'll do it on my Twitch stream. And if the VOD's really funny, that's different. Cause I literally have an audience that I'm always talking to on Twitch. So I'll, I'll put that on YouTube, but for me to sit down and do what I did, where I made a video where I was ripping on Hannah stockings video, which I don't even have to rip on a Hannah stocking video, go watch a Hannah stocking video. And that is more than enough. Hannah stocking is Lele Pons's best friend. So they just make oh. the same, like, it's really uncomfortable and I can't understand who it's for. It's such dumb humor that it has to be made for children, but it's so randomly sexual that it can't be. And it lives in this middle where none of it is funny. And also none of it is sexy and it's just terrible. And I hate it so much. Uh, it, and that is what remember when the, uh, the first wave of Viners hit YouTube and it was before Dobrik became like, Oh my God, David Dobrik is one of the greatest YouTubers of all time. And they hated, they hated Viners like Jake Paul and Logan Paul are the faces, Lele Pons, Amanda Cerny. And it's like the very unfunny famous people. That's kind of the realm. And I made a video ripping on them and it, and like, it's decently entertaining. It's well edited, but it's not funny. And I think if I were to do that same video with another person sitting next to me, maybe, but I, in my current environment, I don't have a co-host. And, uh, I think that I excel more at this right here, this podcast format versus like Twitch podcast format and Twitch streaming versus what I was doing on YouTube for, for a long time. I just think I never, I was never good enough. I was never enough of a personality uh, on that platform. Cause I'm not, I'm not really playing a character, you know, like I wish I was, I wish I was better at that. I've never written a character for like my YouTube persona. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of me. Um, I think that's the best to be your. So that's a fun segue that I brought up. Uh, characters, your character, the black LeBron James, how did it, come to be like it's it's such a specific thing that i've seen people make videos and i know they're replicating you i'm like a thousand percent sure that they're trying to mimic you in some way shape or form because you're you're the way you talk the whole guys i have a science experiment i took 10 pieces of pieces of twine and i put it inside of a giraffe and now i have a wizard's wand and it's like the craziest thing i've ever heard in my life like half the videos are that and oh. it's such a it's such an interesting, almost like SNL kind of character that you've created for yourself. So what went into when do you think you made the character? And and if it's not like a moment where something was created, when do you think that it, it took on the form that it is now that you can switch on Nabayo and then the black LeBron James? The origins of the Black LeBron James. I have to go back eons, eras, insert again, the time tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> back to may of this year i um was downstairs in the garage making pizza rolls right as you do and i um 
Wait, no, let's go back. Let's go back. New time tunnel. Two, three days before. All right. So it's the last day, second to last, third to last day for my English class on Zoom. And I've been really, really bad. I like a bad student. I haven't. Um, I've been really racist most- and horrible and mean on oh, my yeah. Zoom calls. I've been telling the teacher. Do they have kidding. to put I'm Black like- Lives Matter protest signs in the Zoom call to protest me? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the teacher calls me in or like tells me to stay after everyone else leaves. I have no idea what it's about, but I kind of do. She's like, you haven't turned in any of the work. The semester ends in a couple of days. I'm going to have to fail you. And then I was like, wait, don't fail me. I can turn in some of the work. And then she's like, you haven't done like literally the semester's worth of like portfolio writing papers or whatever. And then somehow I convinced her to give me until it was a Tuesday until Thursday to get that stuff done and turn it in. I don't know how I did that. I feel like, okay, all glory goes to God. I'm pretty sure Jesus was the one who convinced her because literally there was no way. And so I'm shaking up. I'm like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I end the zoom meeting with her and she was yelling at me. She was really mad. And so, um, I go in the closet and I grab this bandana right here. This one for our podcast. listeners, she just pulled out a bandana, obviously. I put it over my head and um, I go to the bathroom and I do imaginary chalk over my eyes. So I'm like, you know, those like those under my eyes, you know, those football players yeah, yeah, yeah. when they're about to go to war, about to go to the game. Right? I do that I myself up. I'm like, I got this. I got this. I got this. I go back into my room. I pray. I'm like, God, give me the strength to finish everything tonight and um, give me the uh, the discipline, the motivation, the courage, <laughs> the strength, all that stuff. I need it right now. And then. Um, I go to my computer, I take a deep breath, I put some water next to me, and for the next five hours, I just start typing, and I start doing all the work, and literally that day, I did a rough draft of all of the work I needed to be done, and a final draft of three-fourths of all the work I needed to be done, and then the next day, I go back, and I look at everything, and I finish it all, so altogether, it was only like seven hours, where I did an entire semester's worth of work in a day and a half. Right. I took some breaks from food and stuff. And so now I'm going downstairs to make pizza rolls and I'm in a good mood. I'm like, I finished everything. It looks amazing. It sounds amazing. I showed it to my friends. They said, wow, that's amazing. Actually, they didn't say it was amazing. They said it was pretty good. It makes it seem like I was working on it for weeks. Right. And right. so I go into the garage. I'm making pizza rolls and I had my phone with me. And um, I make a TikTok about this like aluminum paper on the floor and it was like aluminum foil aluminum foil it was on like the refrigerator and then i grab it and i crunch it and then i'm like people were saying that this was um that uh that this is aluminum foil it's clearly like stainless steel or something like that and i pretend to be all strong because i'm hyped by typing right and then i post that i don't pay too much attention to it this is on my second account by the way right and um like a couple days later i come back to it and it has like a thousand or two thousand or two thousand likes, and people are commenting like, um, uh, uh, "Guys, it's obviously reversed." And then if anyone thinks this is not uh, stainless steel, then you're dumb or something like that. And so I thought it was pretty funny. And then I make a second comment about it, replying to one of the comments saying, "That's clearly aluminum foil." And then I show the aluminum foil box, but I put a post-it note over it, and it's a stainless steel. Right. And I spilled steel wall. <laughs> and then um, I'm like, "See, guys." It's not um, aluminum foil, it's stainless steel. I grab another one, I crunch it, and then I scream, and then it cuts out. And I thought that was so funny. 
and it got like 10,000 likes. And of I was course like, Yo, it I did. I should keep doing stuff like that. So I, I, and then they're like, this guy's so strong. This guy's doing all that. So I keep putting the bandana on. I took it off after a, a couple of TikToks, but um, I would just do crazy stuff and make stuff up to like pretend to be strong. I'd like pick up like 300 ton weights and stuff. And that slowly grew to me being more eccentric and loud and like buff. And so um, then I used like a, a picture my friend photoshopped like a couple months ago. And I made that my profile picture of me, my face on like this super big black bodybuilder. Yep, I, said, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I said that was me. Um, but I, d- my, the, I don't look like that on the TikToks because the cameras can't like catch how big my muscles are because the technology. And then you drop what had to be my favorite video when people started doing the, the still thing that moves across in the freeze frame or whatever. He said, finally, a filter that can remove the CGI and show you my <laughs> true form. That sh- that I've seen that so many times. It cracks me up every time I see it. Oh. But yeah, it's, it's just um, that's how my character came to be. And it's just me just being crazy. It's like, do you I, think, I can you turn that on and off on a time? Like, can you play Minecraft or whatever you plan to stream as the black LeBron James instead of as Nabio? Yes. Not for a long time though. Cause it gets really tiring pretty quick. Um, Cause I'm all loud and I have to like come up with stuff and I have to give reasons why I keep dying in Minecraft. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I could do it. It's just, I guess it was just, it would literally just be me, but hyped up. That's how it is. That's the characters. So yeah. like when I, uh, back in the day when I would do how I learned to do the Mickey voice to an interesting little story, there was this kid in my high school. He's one of the most annoying people on the, the whole planet. I think he got better. I think he got cooler later in life. I just don't know him anymore. He had this very squeaky voice and no one could stand it. And he was just an asshole too. He was like actually mean too. Uh, and I was just complaining about him one day. I'm like, man, every time Stockton walks up to me, he walks up to me talking like Mickey Mouse. And then I literally did the Mickey voice, which I'm not going to do here on the podcast because I'm protecting you guys. Don't worry. But uh, I do the, I did the Mickey voice to be like, that's what he sounds like. And everyone's like, wait, you bro, you sound like Mickey Mouse. Like, wait, what? And then I started playing Call of Duty as Mickey. So I developed this Mickey Mouse persona. And it's not the wholesome hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. It starts off like that. Every time you start off really wholesome, really pure, like you're just trying to do some fun, little sweet video. And then it takes like a really dark turn with Mickey being like really aggro and really angry about dying. And this is a version of Mickey, which I used to do this bit where I would kill Pluto off halfway through playing like a game of Call of Duty where I'd be like, I can't do that. I don't want to do the voice to do it, but I'd be like, Pluto, wait, where are you going? And then like fake like a car crash or whatever. And then have Mickey screaming in pain, coming back being sad and bitter. And and that version of Mickey became this running character. So if you watch my Omegle videos, that's the Mickey that I'm channeling in those, in those old. Yeah. (laughs) Where I'm like telling them to fuck off and I'm being super mean. And that character took on such a life of its own that when I do, when I'm, when I am that character, when I'm doing improv as that character, I truly do not know what I'm going to say till after I've said it. Like it's completely out of my control. And thankfully I haven't said anything too malicious or too terrible, but I've like definitely crossed lines before and said something really rude to somebody or whatever, like hurt feelings in videos. And it's all in good fun. Cause I realize it's funny, but at the same time, like for me, it's like, Oh my God, I would never even think about saying something like that. Oh my goodness. That's so mean. And, uh, but like the Mickey character took on a life of its own. So the other the other day I finished up episode one of the Bad Days podcast. By the way, you can listen to that right here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or wherever else you're listening to 
uh, a podcast. And that episode was a little bit too deep and a little bit too, I, I, I like it. I think it's a really good start of like who I am and, and what, what the podcast is going to be, but it did get very emotional and very deep. So I needed something a little bit fun to do afterwards. So I wanted to film a funny video. I've been seeing these Australian YouTubers going into VR chat and they have these like hilarious interactions because everyone in VR chat has crazy avatars, like everything from Naruto to like the Looney Tunes characters and Mickey Mouse and Avengers and like weird anime girls that have nothing to do with either thing. And they're all just in a room together and they're talking and that's like the whole video game and it's crazy. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to get onto to VR chat as Mickey and, and just mess around and like maybe record a couple of videos and some of the footage is great and hopefully it'll come out soon. But like, I, I, I have not leaned back into that character in so long like that. And it was an hour and a half of me being dickhead Mickey or whatever. I'm going to end up calling that character. And, uh, I, tr- I literally felt exhausted afterwards. I was like, Oh my God, like what? That was so much work, but it's such a different character. And I'll go back and watch cause I have to edit the video. I go back and watch it and I literally am just laughing Cause it's, and it's not like, oh man, I'm so, I am so fun. No, but it's not like I'm laughing cause I think I'm the funniest person ever. I, it's just so unexpected and I don't know how, uh, like how that came to be. So when I think, when I think of the black LeBron James, I always wondered if you do that too, that you're able to like, like you can't come up with the, do you come up with the black LeBron James jokes or do you just improv it sometimes? Like, how do you think these jokes like tend to, to pop up for you? Um, it's a mix of both. Well, like, so I would record and then I'd improv a joke and I'd be like, oh, that's pretty funny. Then I'd redo it to make it funnier. So I'd make that joke that I just improv, but like make myself sound buddy funnier. And while I'm making the joke, I'll literally think of funnier things. Now redo it so I can do that instead. And it just keeps going like that until it builds this monstrosity of a TikTok that I just upload. Right. Um, and you're so yeah. good at that. And you've made so many iconic, funny, t- I mean, PewDiePie level TikToks on, uh, by doing that. And I think it's so unique and interesting as a person who is a creator on TikTok as well, outside of my format, right? Like whether it's Twitch VODs, Omega videos, I do not excel at the normal, Hey guys, here's my camera. Uh, let me talk about life, whatever, in any way, shape or form. It's not that I'm bad at telling stories, but like some of these people on TikTok, I don't know how to describe it. They're these random people that aren't even creators and they sit down to tell a story and it's the most interesting and like I'm gripped and I watch my own videos. I'm like, I don't want to know what happens next. Like, fuck you, Hudson. Shut up. Shut up. And like the, what you said about like coming up with an improv and going back through, I've done that. But for me, I think it's because I'm not playing a persona because I am just myself that like um, I just posted this TikTok where I'm talking about how uh, I don't know if you ever did this growing up, but we used to take like tons of field trips in elementary school. And one of the key ones, we'd go to this place called old Baker's farm. And, uh, okay. you know, the, the bigger poles to, to old Baker farms that they have a pumpkin patch, there's a bunch of cool things. They also have a cotton field. I'm in Alabama and that's a really prominent thing. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot. And, and I was thinking about how me and a bunch of black kids in my kindergarten class were so, so excited that we got to go and pick cotton. And it was like a yeah. thing that we were, dude, we were like cheering up and down on the bus. Like, we're going to pick some cotton. This is so crazy. We're going to pick some cotton today. And then like we took the cotton home. We had our, our pockets full of cotton because we could pick as, we could pick cotton to our, our hearts can, you know, as happy, like just oh, till we're happy. Sure. We can as much as we want. And uh, like looking back on that as an adult, did a bunch of white women teachers, like white female teachers in Alabama, take a bunch of minority kids to a cotton farm? Like, wait what it's the craziest thing ever and i made that i made that video on uh on tiktok and 
it's so unfunny it hurts because it's such like a funny weird anecdote that like what that is a thing that genuinely happened that we were excited for the annual trip to go pick cotton like that's crazy but i could never get it down on the, the tiktok format so every time i see creator like you that is so good at doing the skits and the bits and like pushing through it's always it's so fun it's so oh, fun to watch appreciate it so uh on our our tiktok journey so your account your main account is your main account shadow band still do you think i don't think it's shadow band i just i just um didn't really want to post on it much anymore i feel like if i continue posted on it it would go up i would go back to normal but it's just i don't know i don't know it's it's weird i was thinking that like not a lot of creators have that so when i was so for for context guys and i said a shadow ban um a lot of people don't believe that it's a thing on TikTok, and uh, as a creator, I can can one hundred percent let you know it's a real thing. Essentially, whether it's an algorithmic issue, and or somebody at TikTok hand selected your account, saw your videos virality, saw the likes it was getting, saw the traction it was getting, and saw your account, and they didn't like what you represented and or like the type of content you were making, they would shadow ban you. They wouldn't give you a ban on your account. You wouldn't know the difference but you would realize that you were no longer on any explore feeds or for you pages. So you weren't growing and you couldn't grow at that point, right? The only way for you to grow would be your fans sending videos to other people. And that would work too. If you've built an audience, except TikTok is weird. And if you, if you have a hundred thousand followers, maybe a thousand people, if you're super lucky, will see your video, even though on any other social media platform, if you have a hundred thousand followers, it should be a much higher number than that. Um, so uh, that was a thing that started probably in September of 19, where we noticed like certain of our friends, like uh, it's all Dean had this meteoric growth, really funny guy. And I still post content to this day. He got to 67,000 and he stayed there for a whole entire year after getting to 60,000 in two months, which like maybe maybe he's just not funny anymore. Maybe he just got unlucky, but I, I it, it doesn't seem plausible. You had accounts like um, Sweet Caroline Kelly. Have not thought about her in forever, but she was the first person to make Omega videos on the app, and she got four hundred thousand followers in a weekend, one weekend, permanently banned. She was shadow banned at first. Anytime she'd post a video with Omega or anything to do with Omega in the title it would get suppressed. It would clearly like, you know what I'm talking about when you can see a video is going viral. Like you can tell if you're a creator and you've seen the numbers, there is a moment, there's a threshold you hit and it's like, okay, this is, this is a big deal. Like this is a video that's, that's getting traction. Uh, and you also know when it stops. Like you have a good idea of like when it's going to slow down and how it looks like when it slows down. But when you go from like, you got 500 new followers in the last three minutes to zero in the last two hours, like directly after each other, like within sec, like, that usually means it's a shadow ban. Uh, so that girl got shadow banned and then she got permanently banned after that. I'm really, I, I'm curious as to what she's doing now. I'm going to Google that at some point. But um, that happened to him. And then we've had other various creators throughout, like uh, Dylan Cozart. So funny. He's like this artist that does these like really funny skits and they're they're all really well done and all his videos are so well produced and he was growing so fast. I followed him at 60,000 followers. We had a great conversation, followed each other back. And he's at 175,000. He's been there for seven months. But like, he's an amazing creator and he continues to put out like S rank content, like amazing content, but he's not growing anymore. Uh, and then you, you know, out of our, our motley crew of TikTokers that we started with, you had Micah, 
who's got several million followers now, verified creator, unfollowed all of us because that's good for him. Uh, and then you have not Preston Garcia, who killer. He's got a million followers now, verified because he's been coming up with these original skits. But you really can uh, you can tell the difference to people who started around the same time. It doesn't matter of like content flow; they just were repressed. So when I was asking Nabio whether or not uh, he thinks his his account is still shadow banned, mine was shadow banned easily for for six seven months. And it probably got lifted a while back, but uh, I, I know it's lifted for sure now. I started posting um, Twitch VODs, Among Us clips of my gameplay and stuff. And I had a video go get 200,000 views this last week, which is huge because that's the first time I've seen numbers that look even remotely like that. And it's not for lack of quality content. It's not because I'm not putting out really funny, well-thought-out, well-crafted things. It's because for that span of time, TikTok was like, no, little brown boy, you're not you're not the the market that we want right now. So you're not going to get pushed any further. So you think that you could pop back onto the Nabio account and like go off on it? Um, yeah, I, I feel like if I tried, um, it's, it's, I feel like more for me, it's more of like a mentality. It's like a mental block than it is, um, uh, an algorithm block for my main because, uh, I, it's the the how do I explain it? So after the Peter Bart video, I started making. Um, I graduated from high school. I went to college, and then I made videos of me just going and talking to random people, having super weird conversations with them, recording it, and doing crazy stuff in front of right. people and stuff. More like you know, like um, uh, Ross Creations type thing, or like S- Steven Shapiro or um, Danny Duncan types of. I don't know. It was right, right, mixed. right, right. And um, I'd post that on my TikTok. Those go, those went crazy viral, right? And a lot of people followed for that type of content. And then it was hard doing those things because it required a lot of time planning and a lot of balls. I, I needed a lot of courage, and um, and I didn't want to, I didn't want like my content to be like that where I had to work. Not this sounds bad, but I had to work really hard and do things that um, that made me feel uncomfortable just for my content i wanted to do something that i liked doing and so it so you never like enjoyed making those videos like you weren't having fun when you were doing that stuff i was having fun but it was like i just i didn't want to have like the name of like i like nabio does these types of videos yeah of like of those types of videos does mickey mouse videos yes i know the trend yeah yeah (laughs) Well, like I had fun, like for you, you probably had fun making those Mickey Mouse videos, but you didn't want that to be your entire like thing. Which you know? it then became, and it was very miserable for a portion of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand that. And then that. I started uh, trying to make like normal TikToks and stuff or like things that I like to do or like other things and they didn't get as many likes. So I started believing in myself. I was like, if it's not like the original ones, no one's going to like it. So you shouldn't really make TikToks. And then I stopped making TikToks like that. But um, I don't think I'm shadow banned. I feel like if you haven't posted in a long time and you post again, it's not going to get a lot of views because that's just how it is. Yeah. But if you continue to post again and you continue to go back up to like how you used to post, then um, I feel like your views and your followers would come back. Um, I'm not too worried about that, though. I don't think I'm going to be posting on my main anytime soon. No, I was thinking you have like a really unique opportunity to grow the Nabio Lemma brand separate from the Black LeBron James brand. You know, uh, instead of like the weekly grind of putting out one of those videos that makes you more uncomfortable, maybe something in that format in in a more comfortable way. But like 
once every two weeks or three weeks uploading that. I don't know if you see how Preston uploads, but Preston doesn't upload regularly. Like it's not like mm-hmm. us daily uploads or twice a day or four times a week, whatever. It's like once every two weeks or once a week. And then every time he posts, it's a viral video. And I think that if you were to have the Black LeBron James growing separately as your like your fun account for fun and that like that's popping off and then you're maybe more for like what you do on YouTube, you clip that and use that on a, on your Nabiolemma account that could do you some really good, some good just to like grow two very separate brands. Cause you have, you know, you have Colleen Ballinger and you have Miranda Sings and Miranda Sings came first. Miranda Sings was huge as her character, as Miranda Sings. And then when she first started being Colleen, there was, there was like a distance. There was, it took time for the Colleen channel to gain traction. And eventually it had to kill off the Miranda channel on some level. But I think if you started early, we're like at this point where you are right now, it's like there are two different people that exist. There's Nabiolemma and there's the black LeBron James. And you, you run those accounts like that. I think that there's some really good creative potential there. But that's see, just me. That's me telling you advice that's completely unsolicited and uh, no, from I, a content I, creator I, that is not doing it. well on that platform. So you're doing pretty well. Uh, Currently, I popped up like a little bit out of nowhere. Some of the I've, I've noticed there are videos that get like 70 likes, which is crazy low. And it's weird, but I don't take that to heart the way that I used to because then I post another video the next day and it gets a thousand. And it's just like the how TikTok's algorithm used to work, at least, was that. It gets on five people's for you pages. If those people like it or watch it for a certain amount of times, then it gets put on several more people for you page. And I guess the five people that watch like this, is how I take it literally, if I post a video that is funny and creative and it doesn't get a lot of likes, I was like, I guess the first five people fucking suck and they don't get, they don't get good humor. And then I'm not, I'm okay with it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, the account's doing well. And it's also the fact that I'm really not going out of my way to make TikTok content. Like I'm making I'm having fun on Twitch and yeah, I spent a lot of time to edit that video for TikTok, but it is, it's so much more funny and pure than some forced joke to elicit a laugh. Rather, it's just a video that made me laugh, like a situation that made me laugh that is suddenly in a video too. Yeah. And we talked about this. Oh, go ahead. Oh no. I I was just saying like, I was just thinking about that. I, I make sense. Yeah, I agree. I was saying we talked about this on uh, the last version of this podcast about like, um, so for me, creatively, uh, the the old goal back in the day, I'm sure it was for some run of social media fame or notoriety. But as I've gotten older, that is less and less of a thing that I give a shit about. Um, and then over this last year through um, through talking to to some old great best friends while they're on on trips to places like Morocco and talking about you know, race and religion and things that I've put into a box and I threw away years ago, uh, opening that box and, and exploring those old stories about my life. I, uh, rediscovered my passion for stand up comedy and for like written comedy and long form, uh, TV slash movie humor and stand up rather than TikTok humor. So I actually announced on a podcast in, uh, February on the real easy or in March on the real easy show that, Hey, I'm leaving content creation and I'm moving straight to stand up comedy. And then of course the world fell apart and COVID happened and we all live in our houses and we don't leave. And you know, it's, it's a mess now. Uh, but my, my end game for me is still like, I'm a realtor being a real estate agent is my day job. And I will continue to do that for the foreseeable future. Uh, even if stand up comedy one day is making enough money to support me, 
it needs to be paying for my beach house, not my mortgage. It needs to pay for that really fancy car I got, not the meal on my table for my family. Like I think I always want to have an actual job so I continue to love it. But for me, end game is to to be a comedian and and still live the life that I have now, but be more uh being more out there for that kind of thing. Having this podcast become more of a regular thing with an actual set and real go a uh, real ghost real guests live <laughs> Halloween right here real ghosts live. <laughs> There's a great podcast called Let's Get Haunted uh, by my my friends friends. So that's a uh, that's what popped in my head just there. But like yeah, having like a real almost podcast and then inevitably I want a talk show that is the budget of like Jimmy Fallon's The Tonight Show. But it is a podcast and it's on on t- like it's on a network. It's on Netflix or HBO Max or Hulu. But it's essentially a podcast with a bigger budget. And I don't That's know what cool. I would do with that. But I I love that. I love this format so much more. I think this format and the Hot Ones format is the gold standard for real conversations that both stimulate the mind, create intrigue, but is also like a pleasant experience where you're not on. You're not on on Jimmy Fallon and you have the 10 jokes that you have to tell and you got to listen to Jimmy make like a really awkward, hey, so back in the day, I heard you did a Chewbacca impression. You want to do that here for it? Like, like it's not like a standard foul. It's like a real conversation. When Jimmy Fallon laughs, he goes, <laughs> it's like not a real laugh, like legitimate laughs and that kind of thing. So that's the dream. And obviously directing and uh, and acting is something that I've, I've just started dipping my toes in the water on and I've been doing a little bit there. Nothing that I'm ready to talk about too publicly. But uh, I, I've definitely started a little bit of work in that realm. What is your end game, right? Because I don't think necessarily you want to be an adult YouTuber. I don't think. Uh, unless you do, because that's fucking dope and that's awesome. There are a lot of multimillionaire adult YouTubers. What's your, what do you think your, your path is? And we talked on this before, but I'd like you to tell everybody what your, your track is. Um, great question. I, let's see. I really like, I want to be able to, um, you know, make money doing what I love. And what I love is I w- filmmaking. I want to be able to make movies in the future. Like uh, it's a dream to like direct or be part of like the directing team or like the acting team for like a Marvel movie. Um, and I want to be able to uh, make content for a living, whether that be YouTube, TikTok or something else. Um, not until I'm an adult, I'm going to retire sometime then. But you know, like, uh, like how, parts of like how david dobrik is right now um so then i can when i get older i can move into other um businesses like how he's did like that perfume thing right and then like i can i can use like the fame or like all the stuff i've accumulated throughout those years to boost another business i might come up like if i wanted to make a car company you know right and then i'd be a ceo for the rest of my life making bank so that's kind of my end game i i'm i'm not i don't have too many specifics but I want to retire by 26 and be married by 27. So uh, we talked about this last time and I thought it was the most interesting thing. Uh, I love that. Be retired by 26. People will look at us like we're insane for saying that, but that's around when I'm looking to retire too. And not retire as in like, I'm going to stop working. I'm going to work for the rest of my life, hopefully, like have something to do, mm-hmm. but as in retire from like, I have to go to a nine to five. I will still be a realtor and I'll still probably be a comedian and I'll still do things, but I'm never going to be locked into the, I, if I can't grab my wife and go on a two month vacation on at the turn of a dime, then I'm not doing what I wanted to do by 26 kind of deal. Um, so, uh, you brought up being married by 27. You're from Sacramento, California, right? 
represent the, the the homies over there and i'm from birmingham alabama and the first conversation me and Nabio had about this he said he was looking he's like i know it sounds crazy to get married this early but i want to get married by like 27 and that was the craziest thing i've ever heard in my life because here in alabama man if you're uh if you're 20 and you don't have a steady I am 22 and I don't have if you're 22 and you don't have a steady relationship that's looking to to get around marriage and you're not married or engaged by 23 24 25 you're like a strange person here you're like a person that's like a bit like why didn't they get engaged like it's not it is so out of our culture to to uh marry that late and to be in those kinds of relationships that late which is so interesting because for you, 27 is early. So I think you yeah. told me before, you're like 30-year-olds. It's like usually the, the time where people get married in Sacramento. Um, I I would say, I don't know if it's like the city, but like- Right, right, just I your specific like area. American culture, it's not, it's not like people want to be able to party and like have a single life. And then in their late t- 20s, like 29 and 30, they would think about getting married and starting a family. That's what I think. Um, But like- I know, like, I have some friends who are from, like, Russia and Moldova um, and Ser- Serbia. No, that's not what I meant to say. I forgot there was another country. But um, they're, <laughs> they're, like, getting married now, like, my age. They're getting married now, and um, they're planning to have kids in, like, two years and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, this is way too fast. And that's why I bumped mine down from, like, worrying about marriage in the 30s to worrying, getting married earlier. Um, because it's just, like when you get married earlier um you would have kids earlier right then you'd be in a closer age range with your kids so you'd be it'd be easier to relate and then when they grow up and they're our age they'll have young parents right so we could be more hip for our kids you know and then they'd want us they want they would want to bring us to back to school night and they want right. us to meet I get friends. to reminisce I get to be back in high school maybe we'll throw back a couple brews me and the kiddos you know little little 17 year olds getting a little fucked up little- <laughs> um and I feel like you'd have a closer relationship with your kids if you're like in a closer age range with them That's so interesting so like ideally I would love to be in a steady relationship that's on its way to marriage I'm 22 now so I can't keep saying 22 23 to 24 okay. like I, I i wouldn't i'd be really content if that's where it is that said i don't want to have kids immediately i don't want to have kids until the late 20s we're talking like 27 28 if not early 30s if that's if the wife's vibing with it that way i don't know if you know like in the it has to be more of a problem in the south because of how how people talk about marriage down here uh but like people seem to get married and they stay together for their kids like they like the love dies oh, yeah. away and the relationship became solely about them. So in 18 years, when the kid leaves the house, it's like, what are we really doing here? Like, how do we manage this this thing that we're in now forever? Uh, or, you know, do you go off and get a divorce, which it's more often more common than not common here. So like uh, for me, it's like getting married and having that partner and, and traveling and doing amazing things and like having a life that you built just for the two of you falling in love all over again, over and over and over, cementing the foundation of your your marriage and your future together. Then you throw a family into the mix. Then you have kids. And then when the kids turn 18 and they leave, you get to rediscover all the things that you built years yeah. ago. Like you get to have the beautiful family funds of like you and your close-knit group, uh, your kids and whatever. And then when they're gone, you still have your wife and it's no longer just like 
a thing that you were in for the sake of your kids and stuff like that. So that's, that's always been the mental track, but it's it so different from just, you know, a couple thousand miles down the road. You're the, the societal standard is so different than it is right here. Like is. Wow. that's so, so, so interesting. Are you in a long-term relationship right now in a bio? Are you, are you heading towards your goal with Jesus, with Jesus? Hey, hey man, that's but, the um, best relationship to have. I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm single right now. I'm not really looking for a girlfriend in the in the near future because I feel like um, having a relationship right now in the position I'm in is going to be distracting to for me being able to retire by 26. You know, because right. um, a relationship requires a lot of like attention, a lot of care, um, a lot of time, a lot of money, and I want to focus um, everything I can on a uh, on God and my future um and this is the best time you have now because the younger you are the the more risks you can take um the less repercussions there is all you got is time and energy so um uh it's better that i fail a hundred times now rather than fail a hundred times when i'm 30 or something and that is the most mature you're younger than me that's the most mature thing i think i've ever heard right there just like you're so intentional about how how you're striving to succeed and stuff like that and i'll counter like a relationship does take so much attention and stuff like that. I'll say that if I really want to be retired by 26, I'm going to have to be in a relationship because I, I am built. I'm not intrinsically motivated. If I'm being honest, like I get stuff done and I'm really creative and I, I, don't, I wouldn't say my therapist had a very specific conversation with me today about me not calling myself lazy. Cause I'm not lazy. It's just something that somebody told me at some point that I live by or whatever. I procrastinate things, but it doesn't make me a lazy person. Just means my brain works differently because I'm ADHD. But, uh, you know, the idea of that intrinsic motivation, like sometimes the, like I've achieved a lot. Like I'm really satisfied with where my life is at right now for being 22. My friends are going to graduate from college in May. And these are the people that I went to high school with that were in my senior year and they're graduating with a degree. And my goal for these three years had been to, attain something equal if not more valuable than their degree because I wouldn't have that for the rest of my life so I need to be hustling so I'm so happy with with how things turned out and the work that I ended up having but a lot of that was motivation in the back of my head of like ah, I need to be I need to be good enough for um some girl and like like they're that this this imagine let's call the girl imagine this imaginary girl that you know, uh, has lived such a great life so far and I would never want them to diminish the quality of their life by being with me. So I need to just operate on here. So even if all they require is here, I'm always going to be above that and I'm going to be able to push the envelope and give them a really spectacular life. But it's that, that motivation that is what has built the success that I have now that like, if I didn't have the heartbreaks that I've had, and if I didn't have the people that I've had, I wouldn't be here because on my own, I'm not as motivated, not to say that I'm lazy, but like, it's not as important to me you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so I definitely think that that's interesting and I'm learning and I'm working really hard at being intrinsically motivated. Like, while that is a thing that I don't think I am, I'm working towards more of like get shit done for me, love and hustling a little bit more. Cause you know, me and that guy don't have a great relationship, but I'm trying to work on it. I'm trying to have him be my best friend. But, uh, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a, a journey. How do you do mental health wise? And it's a really deep question. I know you're very religious. So like, Turning to Jesus and God is something that people who have a closer knit relationship with God often do to like take away the pain and the burden of a, a bad social situation or an upset situation with a girl or something like that. Um, is that a lot of where you turn to? Or are you in like some regular form of therapy or something like that? Um, yeah, I, 
a lot of times like let's say if it was a relationship or like a situation with a girl i feel like that would affect my um my image of myself uh my self-worth and all that and i gotta realize that um i believe in a god who made me fearfully and wonderfully who um loves me so so much more than i can even love myself and that his what he thinks of me worth is worth a hundred times what any woman on earth can think of me so i should be happy in that that god loves me and not that this girl who broke my heart doesn't love me um and then with other things i uh i just think like it's um if i get sad from other things i put them in comparison with uh with the <laughs> the amazingness and wonderfulness of god and like when i could when i compare what i'm struggling struggling with in life all my hardships and all my doubts and everything to like who god is how much he loves me and what he has in store for me and my plans for the future and heaven and all that stuff it's not even worthy to be compared right and then so i get joy and happiness for from god rather than from accomplishing things in this life and being successful here and all that stuff and that really does uh keep your um mood up and help you with mental health and help you with depression and sadness and all stuff so i just turn to god and i pray and read the bible a lot that's such a beautiful sentiment man truly and it's one of those things that like if you don't have it odds are you're not going to be able to train yourself to get it on some like his faith is so specific so like i believe in god for sure but um that like what you just described i know people exactly like that here that have that and and can do that and it's not even like they're pretending or there are people that are pretending and acting and they're just saying all these all this bullshit like god god has healed my wounds and i'm fine he took away my anxiety and my depression and i said shut the fuck up becky you're a dumbass uh but like <laughs> you know uh but the, but i think that there's like a really real thing and and i uh i applaud you for for having that that resilience in you cuz for me like that methodology like if i were to try and do what you're doing i think i'd fall down the rabbit hole of downplaying the issues that i'm having in my life or like terrible things that are happening things that upset me broken relationships messed up family health whatever it might be and that could lead me down a path of like um bottling it up like i'm saying that i'm fine and it's like at what point at what point do you know whether you're being honest with yourself anymore uh, and I can hear it from your voice alone that like that is the honest to God truth for you. But I often think that a lot of people who are attempting that level of relationship with Christ or Allah or Yahweh or whatever religion you practice or believe in that that often if you are trying hard and, and, and faith has not just come to you, not that you don't work towards faith, you work towards your relationship with God, but like that inherent just God affects you in a physical sense often. Daily, right? And I and I can say that there are moments of my life that God has moved me one way or the other. And obviously he influences everything that I do, but I can't say that like giving the, the they often say like you give it to God and you go with Jesus, right? Jesus take the wheel if we're gonna get a little musical here. But uh that's so interesting that you have that perspective, especially as a creative, because in all honesty, in LA, you know, I have a two really close friends they had a youtube channel called sugar pine seven and uh they won streamy of the year or show of the year in 2017 they won a streamy for that and they're streamers now and they're both incredibly creative types and one of them his name's james angels he's a christian and he's probably the only christian i know in los angeles like out of all the creatives that i know and creators that i've ever met he's the only one that is openly christian and i think that's super interesting but i think that that is um so it's really interesting to have you who is 
you you seem like a very chill, open-minded, creative type, but you still have such a strong faith base. And and I think that is one of the most commendable things. I also think you're not the type of person to condemn somebody for their opposing values or beliefs. And odds are like you have you believe that what you believe is exactly right for you and that is your path to heaven, right? And like your 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 path to heaven is through Christ and Christ only, right? Mm-hmm. That said, you're not going to then look down upon a Muslim woman who loves Jesus, but as a prophet and, you know, devoted her life to God in all the same ways you did, but doesn't use the specific vernacular that you use. You're not going to necessarily look down upon them in any way, shape or form, right? You might want to help them see your, your version, but if you see that they're, if they seem to encapsulate that same joy, that same belief as you, you're probably not going to like attempt to to force them one way or the other and maybe maybe you will i'm not gonna i don't think there's a right or wrong answer there um because i there, there are christians here that um they're very much of the mindset of like if you don't believe specifically what i believe and how i believe it you will not go to heaven period point blank that is the only way to salvation and i think that that is super fair and unique for you to see it that way right but and then you get but you get to the idea of like diminishing the values of other people that you don't even know or haven't even spoken to yet that you're like, well, he's Muslim. So I don't necessarily, I don't think he's right. Like automatically one thing about him. Well, he doesn't know this. Like this is the holistic truth. And uh, we live in such a vast, huge world. God created this massive world that faith exists and belief exists, but holistic fact does not exist within faith and belief, right? Like there's not a scientific method towards uh, hypothesizing which God is the actual God and which one is the correct path to heaven. It's just faith-based. And um, I think as a creator, you, uh, you at least, you don't put off the vibe that for one second you would judge me if I were to tell you that I was a Muslim. And, it, and it, like, let's say I shared the same sentiment as you, like the same connection to God that you so inherently have, which I've met. My sister is an example of a Muslim like that, who has that exactly the way you described your relationship with God. That is her relationship with God. But she uses the word Allah and uh, it's just, it's slightly different. Uh, but you wouldn't want for one second think that, oh, that girl is doing it wrong, even though she's doing virtually the same thing as you kind of thing. I mean, yeah, Um, for me, it's like, people are going to believe what they're going to believe and i'm going to believe what i'm going to believe i'm going to evangelize my beliefs to them if they don't agree with me that's fine they can they everyone has freedom of choice freedom will i'm not going to be mad or anything about it um all of what i'm saying all of what i do comes out of like a place of love right. and um i can yeah i can like be friends with people who don't agree the same thing i agree with and um but like I'm not going to judge anyone because who am I to judge another human being? I'm not better than anybody else. I'm a sinner. I feel like everyone's made mistakes and stuff. So I can't throw a stone at someone else. Um, but, and that, and what you just said, I mean, that is, that's what I see as the inherent belief of Christianity. What you just said right there, that beautiful sentiment of just like, thou shall not judge, you know, like everybody's made equal and, and, and God's image were made from dirt and all that. And like, for you to judge somebody else or to to believe that you are holistically right. And that's fine as long as you're not then condemning the experiences of others. Because the world is huge. And I think it's interesting because a lot of the people that I was just referring to, they've never left Alabama. And if they have, they've gone to another place that's really similar or they've left the country, but they went on a mission trip. Like they're not experiencing the world for what it is. And when you go to uh, a Muslim country and see how it's excelling and it's beautiful and, and how it's run Islamically and whatever. And then you go to like Europe and you see how they run and it's not 
it's not specifically religious one way or the other and how different that is from South Alabama. Your, your world goes from this tiny little thing to this massive, bigger thing. And you suddenly start seeing the bigger picture and, uh, your mindset's amazing, man. I, I love that. I think that that is going to make you excel and it's going to open you to so many experiences of learning and growing in your faith and your belief while also loving people so holistically as you are told to in the Bible as more often than not, a lot of Christians here don't tend to do that. They don't tend to love, love you for the differences. They tend to like say they do and then try and change you. Um, whether or not it is to your benefit, it is to the benefit of their beliefs, not yours kind of thing, which is super weird, deep religious rabbit hole to fall down towards the the last five minutes of this podcast right here. But, um, I really wanted to touch on that with you because I do think it's so, so interesting. You remind me so much of my friend, uh, Danny Michael, he is Eritrean. So like, just like, yeah, him being, uh, him being like, not like straight up African American, uh, black, like a slightly different kind of black and having such, he's, he is a uh, one of the most commendable deep Christians that I've I've known in my life, and uh, you remind me so much of even your sense of humor is a little bit like his, and I and it's it's always fun to to talk to you about stuff like that. And man, uh, truly, I'm so proud of you as a creator too. You've been killing it. I'm happy to have seen you excel in this current landscape. Obviously, you're going to be back on the podcast sometime very soon. Um, right now, we're doing one guest at a time, but hopefully, eventually, we're we're going to have like multiple yeah. people and I'd love to have you on as a co-host even at some points and we can maybe me and you can tackle interviewing the Demilio sisters who knows hey we're going to start oh, some man. drama with this next with with the, just a little little sneak preview guys I'm not going to tell you what's happening but we're going to have a guest on the podcast sometime soon that has some really close ties with a certain famous Demilio in uh in America right now and uh you know it could uh it could lead to some some intrigue but uh hey guys I love you so much. As I say every time this podcast is over, which is just two times, uh, the song, the, the podcast is called Bad Days. And it is based on the song 100 Bad Days because 100 Bad Days made 100 good stories. And I hope you have a amazing rest of your day.